Looking back on the week that was with a razor wit, irreverent humour and profound political and cultural insights, this is The James McPherson Show. Welcome to The James McPherson Show. Great to have your company on this Tuesday, November 24, 2020. Today... We're talking about a New South Wales musical that has been cancelled because the leading man is not sufficiently LGBTQI enough. We're talking about the Australian cricket team that's decided to go all woke in this year's series against India. And we're talking about Transgender Remembrance Day. That's held on November 20 every year, but of course there was a problem with this year's Ceremony. We'll talk about that and a lot more coming up on the James McPherson Show. Great to have your company. How LGBTQI does a member of the LGBTQI community need to be? Pack to the Rafters star Hugh Sheridan will be asking himself that question after his lead role in a Sydney Festival production was cancelled last week. The Adelaide-born actor was to star in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, a musical about a gay man who had a sex change so he can legally marry another man. The show was due to open at the Enmore Theatre in January, but it's been postponed after transgender activists complained, complained that Sheridan was cisgendered, which means he's a man who's not wondering if he might be one of 71 other genders. It mattered little that Sheridan had spent October promoting the musical by explaining to journalists that he was a very well-credentialed member of the LGBTQI community, having had relationships with men, gay, and with women, bi, and having refused to label himself or his sexuality, questioning. So Sheridan was missing a T in his LGBTQI, where T, of course, stands for trans, not for tolerance, and so Sheridan had to go. So much for the inclusive LGBTQI community we constantly hear about. I'm still single and everyone is on the smorgasbord, Sheridan told the Daily Mail in October. Now, if that wasn't a commitment to diversity, I don't know what is. So apart from thinking about changing his gender, it's hard to imagine what more the four-time Logie Award winner could possibly have done to be included in the inclusive Rainbow Pride Love is Love family. But the Queer Arts Alliance were having none of it. They complained to Hedwig producers that, and I quote, the choice to cast a cisgendered male as a transgendered character is offensive and damaging to the trans community, end quote. That Hedwig was a work of fiction about a fictional character did not matter. The lead character needed to be transgendered in order to pretend to be transgendered. Hedwig producers caved into the criticism and announced last Tuesday that they would postpone the show in order to find a replacement for the not-quite-LGBTQI-enough Hugh Sheridan. In the musical, the lead character's sex change goes horribly wrong, leaving him with a dysfunctional one-inch lump of flesh between his legs. So one presumes the lead role can only go to a transgendered actress who is able to provide evidence of a botched sex change operation. That ought to narrow the search considerably and make the auditioning process rather interesting. The show's producers said of the original casting process, and I quote, we auditioned a wide, diverse range of performers and no one from any background was excluded from this process. 
Presumably, they'll now look to recast Hedwig with auditions from a narrow, uniform range of performers, and everyone from all backgrounds except one very specific background will be excluded from the process. All this to prove their commitment to inclusion. A spokesperson for the Sydney Festival said, and I quote, the values of equality and inclusivity have long guided the work of Sydney Festival. With these values in mind, the festival supports the producer's decision to postpone the January season of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, end quote. All of which meant they were committed to excluding Sheridan because of their commitment to inclusion. But yet, uh, last week in a final twist, American Stephen Trask, who wrote the musical back in 2001, told the City Morning Herald that the play's main character was never transgendered. Hedwig, he said, was a gay man who was bullied into a sex change by his boyfriend. Well, Hugh Sheridan might not know what it's like to be transgendered, but he certainly now has lived experience of what it's like to be a gay man bullied by sex change happy activists. So, I guess without realising it, the LGBTQI enforcers have made Sheridan perfect for the very role they insisted he should not have. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. Hollywood have triggered outrage by casting a non-autistic actor to play an autistic character in an upcoming movie. You know, a bit like... Uh, Dustin Hoffman played an autistic character in the movie Rain Man, even though Dustin Hoffman was not autistic. Apparently, this now is an outrage. These days, if Rain Man were to be made, there's no way Dustin Hoffman would ever be able to be cast as the autistic character since he's not autistic. And fair enough. You know, it's long annoyed me that Sir Ian McKellen never owned a magical staff. Heck, he'd never even been a wizard and yet had the hide to play Gandalf. Orlando Hall was executed last week in the United States, uh, causing Keith Boykin, a CNN correspondent, to tweet, Hall was a black man convicted by an all-white jury. He's the eighth person executed this year by the Trump administration. There were no federal executions under President Obama, and Biden plans to end them as well. Well, Keith, the all-white jury managed to overcome the incredible disadvantage of their melanin to correctly find Hall guilty of kidnapping, raping, and burning alive a 16-year-old girl. And since skin colour seems to matter so much to that CNN commentator, he might like to know the victim was black. There was an interesting story in the Daily Mail last week about a transgender man, UK journalist Freddie McConnell, aged 34, who wants to be registered as the father of her daughter. Freddie, of course, who was born a woman, which means Freddie has a womb, which I guess is why Freddie was able to become pregnant and uh, give birth to a child. Uh, But Freddie wants to be listed as the father. Well, the Daily Mail reported that the court in the UK denied his her request and insisted that Freddie be recorded as the mum. Society is willing to indulge gender confusion to a point, but when a trans man wants to be listed as her baby's father, the courts confirm what we all know. A trans man is, in reality, a woman. 
Australian cricketers proudly announced last week that they will begin every game this summer with a barefoot circle ceremony that will not improve even one Aboriginal person's life. A Cricket Australia Wokes person said the empty gesture would serve to signal the team's commitment to demonstrating their intention to doing something that would do nothing to change anything for anybody in Australia. We can probably put our hands up and say we haven't done enough virtue signalling in the past, but we believe standing barefoot in a circle will go a long way towards rectifying this, he said. In Australia, we think the most marginalised group is the First Nations people, and we think the barefoot circle is a great way to celebrate them because a lot of them got around barefoot before white colonists oppressed them with shoes or something. The works person denied the ceremony was a chance for umpires to check whether Australian cricketers were hiding sandpaper between their toes. We are very sincere about our desire to tackle a serious issue like racism by reducing it to a pantomime, he said. And besides, I think everyone knows we hide sandpaper down our pants, but the bare butt circle ceremony is not something the players were keen on doing. It's believed members of the Australian cricket team agreed to participate in the gesture against racism after a team meeting to brainstorm new sledges to be used against the touring Indian squad finished early due to an overwhelming number of suggestions. This was a player-led initiative, the Cricket Australia workspersons said. And after we explained that dissenters would be outed as racists and made to field at Silly Midon for the entire series against India, the players unanimously agreed to participate. He said the players' commitment to popular social justice issues would extend further than wandering around the MCG barefoot to end racism. The barefoot warriors would also remove their shirts in acknowledgement of climate change and moo like cows to protest the live cattle export trade. <laughs> they would remain in the circle formation before each game for exactly 153 seconds to draw attention to the 153 countries in which tampons attract the goods and services tax that unfairly penalises people who menstruate. All of this would be followed by a rousing rendition of John Lennon's Imagine, which players had agreed should be substituted for the racist national anthem because, well, feels. The players would continue to wear their traditional cricketing whites, but they would be called off-whites to signal there was something a bit off about white people. They may not win a test match, but this will be the most tokenistic team to ever represent Australia, and we're very proud of that, the works person said. I am the god of hellfire! The London Mayor tweeted last week, climate change is by far the biggest threat we face. London is leading the way to tackle it with some of the boldest and most ambitious policies in the world. Well, that's just great. I mean, the London Mayor can't reduce street crime. Knife crime is amongst the highest in the world in London, but he can change global temperatures. Amazing. American news agency, The Daily Beast, ran a story last week about Madison Carthorn, the North Carolina Republican who has just won a seat in Congress. Uh, the story says that he will become the youngest member of Congress in history, but here's the kicker. He has admitted he tried to convert Jews and Muslims to Christianity. <gasps> so what they're saying is he's a good Christian. That's what Christians try to do. They try to convert people to Christianity because they believe Christianity to be true. To be honest, I wouldn't think much of a man's religion if he didn't try to convert me. Thank you.
Imagine a funeral where mourners stand grieving around an empty coffin. Those gathered for the service are inconsolable. That there's no corpse is entirely beside the point. They have a funeral at this time every year, whether anyone has actually died or not. Welcome to Sydney's Transgender Day of Remembrance, an annual vigil to highlight what we're told is an epidemic of violence towards trans people by the intolerant among us. The problem with last Friday's event, according to an ABC News report, was that organisers had struggled to find victims to remember. The Transgender Murder Monitor, an international register of transgender homicides, has recorded 3,317 deaths around the world in the past 10 years, only two of which occurred in Australia. You could be forgiven for thinking this was good news. Two murders in 10 years is not an epidemic. It's not even a pattern. In fact, two names barely make a list. But organisers of Sydney's Transgender Day of Remembrance saw this as a problem rather than as a cause for celebration. Dr Eloise Brook from the New South Wales Gender Centre told the ABC, After we've had our memorial, I've always wondered at the lack of names of our own community that we included. It began to seem to me that we were memorialising an empty coffin and it just didn't quite seem right. End quote. Instead of celebrating the live and let live attitude of tolerant Australians, Dr. Brooks set out to find Australians who were killed by being tr- for being trans so that they could be added to the very short list of names to be read on Remembrance Day. It was a bit like mourners at a funeral who, upon hearing that there was no need for a memorial since no one had actually died, insisting, well, there's got to be a body around here somewhere. Dr. Brooke told the ABC that six months of research failed to turn up even one person killed for being transgendered. This was good news, Right. Evidence that Australia is one of the most accepting, not to mention safe places on earth. Cancel the funeral, get the party started. But no, this was evidence of death by bureaucracy, Dr. Brooks said. Authorities must have misgendered the dead, or perhaps trans murders had been incorrectly recorded as death by suicide or by misadventure. Dr. Brooks said she finally, and I quote, hit gold, unquote, finding around 10 names of people in a Melbourne University archive who might have been murdered for being transgendered back in the 70s or early 80s. She said their names would be added to the existing two to be read on Remembrance Day. Dr. Brooks' struggle to find evidence of trans homicides in Australia comes in the wake of American studies showing little evidence that transgender Americans are killed at an unusually high rate, despite media claims of just such an epidemic. Wilford Riley, an associate professor of political science at Kentucky State University, who's an expert on empirically testing political claims, examined data from the Human Rights Campaign and found that trans people were killed at much lower numbers than the average American and seldom for being trans. His findings were published in Quillette magazine last December. Similarly, Chad Green, who identifies himself with the LGBT community, and is a senior contributor at The Federalist, reviewed 118 trans murders recorded by the HRC since 2015 and found that four appear to have been directly anti-trans motivated. Now, these findings fly in the face of the narrative we've been led to believe, that there's so much hatred towards trans people to even question trans ideology is to risk setting off waves of violence against them. Earlier this year, Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden described violence against trans people as an epidemic that requires national leadership. He accused President Trump of fanning the flames of transphobia. 
Well, back in Australia, Dr. Andy Kellodophilus, a University of New South Wales criminologist who specialises in crimes against the LGBTI community, told the ABC, it doesn't seem to make sense that there would only be two recorded violent deaths of transgender people. And of course, it doesn't make sense. Unless, of course, transgendered people are not being murdered for being trans, as we're constantly told. And if that's the case, then activists are needlessly creating fear amongst trans people who already suffer high levels of stress and anxiety. Moreover, claims that people who voice concerns about or disagreement with transgender ideology are feeding an epidemic of violent hatred towards trans people would turn out to be false. And this would suggest that Australians are mature enough to disagree with trans ideology without hating trans people and stoking supposed flames of transphobia. Hey, thanks for joining me in this episode of The James McPherson Show. I trust you enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure you check out goodsource.news for more content from a conservative point of view. You'll find great articles, fantastic podcasts at goodsource.news. And of course, if you're listening to my podcast on this Tuesday, uh, don't forget this evening, uh, Dave Pellow's show. Uh, Always informative, always has great guests. You can find links to that on goodsource.news as well. Look forward to your company next week. The James McPherson Show is a production of The Good Source, written and presented by James McPherson. To watch, listen to, or read more media without the SJW narratives or PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. That's good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.